All right, how you doing today? So thank you so much for all of you that jumped in this uh, fast with us. We had an amazing prayer meeting where so many were here and um, praying for breakthrough. And so San Diego Padres, you can thank us for ushering you into a victory through that fast. Um, today, I want to talk to you on the topic of you're in the middle of your story. You're in the middle of your story. That would be the abbreviation for this is not the end for you. You're in the middle of your story. Have you ever felt like you were in the end, that it was the end of your story? We had only planted the church a few months earlier, and this was 14 years ago. I'm driving down the 15 freeway, and I had just met with my one stable middle-aged man in the church, the, the one guy that I depended on as the rock, and he had just told me that he was in a deep, dark depression. My one guy. And as I was driving, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the parents who had just come against me that week because their, their children had gotten so transformed in the past few months that they had gotten saved, they had stopped partying. And so parents were calling me saying, what have you done to my children? And um, I had one elderly couple and they were super frustrated at me because they were trying to do this crazy pyramid scheme and I had shut them down from trying to profit uh, off, off my students and, and in the church and off the San Diego uh, baseball team. And, um, and as I'm driving, the, my peripheral vision starts going black and I start uh, um, hyperventilating and I feel my heart rate going crazy. And you guys, many of you know I'd had a heart problem in the past. And I am starting to think, this is the end. Like, I am going to black out, I'm having a panic attack, and I am going to drive off this road. This is the end. Uh, I don't know if you've ever felt like it's the end for you. Maybe it wasn't a physical experience, maybe it was an emotional experience, maybe it was a financial experience. Maybe it was a relational experience, but that is a horrible place to be. And that's what I want to talk about today, because if there's one thing that chapter uh, five, uh, or excuse me, chapter four of the book of Ruth, we're actually coming to the very end of the book of Ruth, but the very end of the book of Ruth displays to us is this is not your end. So let's start here in verse 11. It says, then the elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. And may you have standing in Ephrathah and famous in Bethlehem. And through your offspring, the Lord gives you by this woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So where are we in the story? We're at the gates of the city. Boaz, who is the, the male main figure of the story, has just done this righteous business deal. He's just uh, procured the land of Naomi, and now he's marrying Ruth. And this is what they're saying to him. This is what they are, are saying about what's going on in his life. And we're starting to see the blessings that are coming 
on Naomi and that are coming on Ruth. I was um, deeply impacted by this very deep um, biblical movie called The Fantastic Four. Um, I think we have a picture of the, of the Fantastic Four. Um, we got Dr. Reed who is able to stretch like crazy. We've got Sue Storm who's able to make herself invisible and send out force fields. Uh, we've got the human torch who can actually turn himself into fire and fly. We've got the thing who uh, was in the past a great football player and now just becomes a massive rock. And what impacted me about this story was how real these people's relationship were and how they, they bickered. Um, but what happened to them is they were scientists on a mission. They go through this cosmic storm and it changes their molecular structure to give them supernatural powers to combat evil. And one of the reasons I think we love superhero stories so much is they often actually hit upon biblical truths. And do you know that when you came into the kingdom of God, something happened in your DNA that changed you from natural to supernatural? And God wants to do something in your relationships that although they are still human and they are still broken, there's an unconditional love and a supernatural love that brings you together with a kingdom dream team to overcome evil. And so there's something that you stepped into that I want to talk to you about because when I'm saying this is not your end, I'm not saying it's not the end for other people. When I'm saying things look really bad, I'm not saying they're not going to end bad for other people. But what I am saying is that you went through a cosmic storm that changed your molecular structure if you stepped into the kingdom of God, which brings you into a whole other reality than what's going on in this world we live in. I love that, um, that what's proclaimed over these people is may you be like Rachel and Leah who together built up the family of Israel. May you be like Rachel and Leah. And if you are a person that's ever read the Bible, you're like, what? May you, what? That's a blessing. May you be like Rachel and Leah. Like, these were dysfunctional sisters. Like, they got in a, a like, um, childbirthing war with each other. And, like, they were super competitive, and they're like, I'm going to have more babies than you. And then they're like, I'm not just going to have more babies than you. I'm going to give my husband, who we both have the same husband, uh, your a servant so we can have more. I mean, this is like weird. And the Bible is saying, may you be like Rachel and Leah. Uh, this summer I was in, in Jerusalem and we had this opportunity to have a Shabbat dinner. Shabbat is Sabbath. So this really cool thing happens over Friday night, Saturday in, in Israel where everything shuts down like the transportation shuts down, the stores shut down, and, and they're still practicing this. They have a Shabbat dinner, and it's like this gathering where the whole family, like there's, there's, there's no 
sporting events. There's no uh, social events. Like the whole families and friends, they just get together and they have this big feast in the home. It's so cool. And, and they light candles. And so I'm, we, we went and, and had this Shabbat dinner with this family. And we're sitting there and they're like breaking bread and pouring wine. And there's candle lights. And, and the father gets up and he walks over to his, his daughters and he lays hands on them. And he goes, daughters, may you be like Rachel and Leah who brought an increase to the family of Israel, right? And as I'm saying that, you're probably thinking, you know, he was this Hasidic-looking man with the little curls and the, and the black hat, you know, and these girls were like in Mennonite dresses, you know, from neck to... No, this dad had a flat bill, he's from California, big tattoo on his arm. The girls had like cropped, little cool teeny bob hair. And, um, and he's... But, and they're 17 and 19, and as he lays hands on them, I'm like, what are they going to, how are they going to act like this? Because these are like late teenage kids, and dad's like speaking this blessing, and I'm looking at them with just eyes of adoration as dad has his hand on them, speaking this blessing, them receiving this beautiful blessing. And I'm like, this is how it should be in a family of faith. But, but, what is the deal? Like, we're speaking this blessing over this, of, of these dysfunctional women. Here's, here's the thing you need to see about Rachel and Leah. They both had this phrase in their lives, both in Genesis 30. It said, God listened to Leah. In the midst of her, her dysfunction, in the midst of her competitiveness, Leah called out to God and said, God listened to Leah. And in the same way, in Genesis 30, 22, it says, then God remembered Rachel. God listened to Leah. God remembered Rachel. In the midst of their dysfunction, in the midst of their competitiveness, in the midst of their pain, they called out to God. And it says, God listened. God remembered. It's not about your perfection. It's about your desperation. It's not about your perfection. It's, are you desperate? It's not about you being so awesome. It's about how awesome the one that you're placing your trust in is. And then they speak to Boaz. They say, may you become a man of standing and may you become famous. May you become a man of standing and you may you become Famous. They're speaking these blessings. May you be like Rachel. May you be like Leah. May you become a man of standing. May, may you become famous. Um, they, they survey. There was this, um, there's this crazy scientific study where it says the main thing that young people want today is fame. More than finances, more than contribution, the greatest thing they want is fame. Uh, you know, that, that desire to be important is something that God has placed in, in the heart. But my, my question, then I've, I was reading this other study this week, and, they, and it said that actually fame, if someone actually gets earthly fame, it's one of the most destructive things that can happen to a person's life. It said fame is like drinking salt water. You never get enough, and in the end, it, it dries you out and leaves you destroyed. So this, there was another research thing that said like fame is about the most destructive thing that can happen to a human in life. Many of you probably recently saw the Elvis movie. Um, my question is, do we want the right fame? Boaz was never known in the, in the, in the his history, in the books 
of the day, but what he was is he's famous in heaven's books. Do we want to be counted in the middle of God's story? In the middle of God's story. And then there's this next phrase that they say, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore. Okay, you're like, man, if Rachel and Leah was a weird statement, um, the second you see Tamar, you should be like, what the heck? Um, do you know what Tamar is in the, in the Bible for? Is for um, prostitution. Okay. So Tamar ends up, remember, she lost her husband, and so what she did was she dressed up like a, a prostitute and had her father-in-law sleep with her and gives birth to Perez. If there's one thing I love about the Bible is how stinking real it is. May you be like Perez, who was born out of prostitution and deceit, and yet Perez becomes this great people group. He becomes a man of standing. He becomes a man of honor. What I love about the Bible is that it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter the hand that you were dealt. It matters in whom you cling to. And so this is what the Bible is saying is, may you be like Rachel, may you be like Leah, may you be like Perez. And this is where it starts hitting on this theme that we're going to see throughout the New Testament over and over again, is get God involved. Get God involved and he changes your molecular structure. It is the cosmic, it's the great cosmic storm you go through and it changes everything. 1 Corinthians 1.26 is a great illustration of it. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let the one who boasts, Boast in the Lord. Once again, we see that the theme of the Bible, we've, we've just got to get this in our head because we can so mess up the Bible and just think it's a self-help book to just make us behave a little better, to just get some tricks and, and, and to, to learn how to be just a, a little more, to just stir up our strength a little more, to perform a little better. And no matter what happens, things always fall apart. The Bible is a book of grace. The Bible is a book of grace. And that is why at the city gates, they're saying, may you be like these broken women who were in a family feud and they were competing with each other. They were doing these stupid things and God used them. And may you be like Perez who was born out of deceit and born out of 
prostitution, and yet God touched his life and made him a great man who actually became in the lineage of royalty. So, verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, okay, remember Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law. Naomi, we start the book, Naomi's in a desperate place. Naomi is broken. Naomi is hurting. Naomi thinks she's forsaken. Now listen to what the women say. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who's better to you than seven sons, remember she had lost two sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed and he was the father of Jesse, the father of King David, the father of David. Do you remember what Naomi had said about her life just four chapters ago? Do you remember how much she was grieving? Listen to what, if you don't remember, Ruth 1, 20. She said, don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Okay, you might be saying right now, my life is very bitter. My life is very painful. Life stinks. The hand that I've been dealt, Lord, why have you made my life bitter? I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Lord Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. But Naomi didn't know the end of the story. Naomi in chapter one didn't know about Naomi in chapter four. And I was just thinking about that this week and thinking, you know, that's, that's, um, that's, that's really cool. But can I, you know, can that happen today? This, this is the Bible, right? This is, uh, and I'm thinking about a lot of my different friends that are just really suffering. I'm thinking about pains in, in my own life or my family's life and going like, God, can that really, really help? And, and you know, if you're a parent, you see your kids, go through extreme challenges. I was reading an article the other day on Focus on the Family, and, and it was talking about raising resilient kids. And, you know, of course it had things like don't just sweep in and try to rescue them every time something's painful and some good stuff like that. But then I came across this, this one tip, I think it was tip number three out of five, that, that, that just was so deeply impacting to me, and it was this. It said, every good book or novel we read in the middle has a major obstacle, a horrible problem, a great challenge, a peril, a loss, or a disaster that someone faces, and the arc of the story is the main character both being transformed through the process and eventually making it through. They said, if you want a resilient kid, tell them that this is not the end, that they're in the middle of their story. And I thought, ooh, that's good for me. Remember, you're in the middle of your story. If you want to be resilient, remind, keep reminding yourself you're in the middle of your story. And I got to um, meet with a woman last week, and I thought, oh, you are Naomi in 2022. And I thought, man, we, we've just got to, to, to look at this again and 
encourage ourselves on what God's doing in our spiritual family with modern-day Naomi. So let's watch this testimony. After I was homeless, I ended up staying in a garage in Spring Valley. And um, the only way to explain where I was was just a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth would describe it perfectly. Um, just every person I encountered was just broken and lost, just like me. And um, without any hope of how do you put things back together, I felt like I was just sitting in the middle of these shattered pieces all around me and I was trying to figure out how to put myself back together but I didn't have anything to hold it together and um, I was staying in a garage in Spring Valley and this is when the story gets good. I, um, it was December 20th, 2019 and I had been, I had fallen really sick and um, I was deep in my addiction um, just talking to myself constantly just out there. Um, I woke up one morning and I did what I always do, which is I reached for my drugs and I felt the love of my Savior hoping for me. Um, and I heard the sweetest voice I've ever heard. And he instructed me on how to get out of that house and, and told me to get out of that house to call my brother, um, who by the way prayed for me for 10 years and just a beautiful man of God, faithful. Um, I called my brother Bruce and he picked me up and he brought me here into this very room that I'm giving my testimony in. And um, he brought me here and this team of people, this team came in and prayed over me. And I, to be honest, it's kind of, I was kind of in and out. Um, but I remember people coming in and just loving on me and praying for me. And I, my brother managed to get me back into the car and I, uh, checked myself into a faith-based program in El Cajon called uh, El Cajon or Transitional Living Center. And I laid my head on my pillow that first night and God delivered me. I mean, addiction gone. And I got out of the program and I was like thrown back into the world. Now I'm working full time, I'm renting a room, I'm living my, um, by myself in this room. I'm, and I'm like, okay, so now what's next? I know I'm not going to be content just going to church on Sundays and that's that's just not the end of this. Like I need to know my God. And so my brother um, just was like Melanie, you've got to go through the school of transformation. Like you just you have to go through it. Like he had graduated, I don't remember, four years ago or something. So I sat in during one class and the Holy Spirit was like, you've got to do this. And of course there was a point where the enemy was like, no, you don't. You know, as soon as I decided I'm going to do this, it was like, the enemy was like, no, you don't. You, you know, you've already gone through a discipleship program. You already graduated CTLC. I mean, just all these excuses kept coming in my mind, like reading the Bible's good, just go to church. And then it was like, I kind of onto your tricks by now. You know what I mean? The enemy, it's like, no, that means I should really do this program. So I went, uh, got into the School of Transformation, expecting to understand my God. Um, better and also I didn't have any friends at all because I had left all of them behind and so uh, I wanted community and I step into this class and it's just got all these people 
that have one thing in common, and they're all reaching for God. They're all wanting to know their Savior more. And when you get that many people that are reaching for God, you can expect great, incredible things to happen. And they did. They honestly did. All year long, you know. You know, three, three things I noticed about Melanie's story. Number one, it wasn't her faithfulness. It was the grace of God. She was reaching for drugs. God was reaching for her, right? Number two, it, was, it took people in her life, a brother that had prayed for her for 10, 10 years, um, a group of community that, that got around her and loved on her. But lastly, God changed her life, not just pulling her out of addiction. He, he changed her from homelessness and addiction to a homeless outreach leader. Uh, God does above and beyond. I want to finish this, um, these last parts of the story. It says this, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. Let me just give you three quick points I see from this story that you can apply to your life, and this is how you know this is not your end. You're in the middle of the story. Number one, God has not left you without a guardian redeemer. Uh, if you don't know Jesus today, he wants to take away your sin. He wants to give you eternal life. He wants to save you. He comes when we're at our worst. And for Melanie, she had walked away time and time again and yet he never gave up on her. Jesus is not giving up on you. He is your guardian and he is your redeemer, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. I don't know what you're going through today, but I can tell you that you love Jesus, he's working on your behalf. Number two, it says for your daughter-in-law who loves you, and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth? Here's number two. God wants to give you kingdom relationships in the future that are better than the ones you lost in the past. God wants to give you kingdom relationships in the future that are better than the ones that you've lost in the past. We all have loss in this room. We've all lost relationships. We've all been let down. We've all been broken. We've all been betrayed. We've all been hurt but God actually, if you walk in the kingdom, you say, God, I'm trusting you, and you call out, God wants to give you better than what you lost. God wants to give you better than what you lost. And sometimes, here's one of the, the great lessons I've learned in life, sometimes you have to lose something to get something better. Sometimes you have to lose something to actually appreciate, to truly appreciate what God gives you in the future. And God has kingdom relationships. He has Ruth's, he has Naomi's, he has Boaz's for each person in this room that is the kingdom story. The scripture goes on in Romans 8 to say this, if he would not spare his own son, how will he not graciously give us all things? God has kingdom 
relationships for each person in this room if we keep asking and keep trusting. And then it says this, this then is the family line. This is how the end of the book ends. This then is the family line of Perez. And you know how bad Perez started. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of David. And then if you looked at the Matthew 1 genealogy, you'll see that it goes on 14 more generations and 14 more to end up saying, and this is the line of King Jesus. God wants to take you and take you right into the middle of his story. He actually wants to pull you into the middle of the story. Number three, God wants to pull you and your friends into the middle of his great story. So let me end with this. Is your problem a marital problem? Is it a brokenness? Is it deep pain? I just want to say, this is not the end of your story. Is your problem a financial one? Is it bankruptcy, indebtedness, lack, not knowing where your next bill is going to be paid or where your next meal is going to come from? This is not the end of your story. Is your problem relational? You're going through abandonment or you're going through loneliness or bitterness. This is not the end of your story. Is your problem physical? Are you going through sickness, disease, illness? This is not the end of your story. Is your problem mental? Are you going through battles of depression or despair or strongholds or fears? This is not the end of your story. Is your problem a situational? Are you going through a horrible job or, or a, a, a situation of homelessness or you feel like you're not going to be able to make it? This is not the end of your story. God says, I know the plans for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. This word shows us that this is not the end of your story. You are in the middle of your story if you'll keep holding on to Jesus. Why don't we stand up? Ooh, and just let me tell you, um, I didn't die on the road that day. Sometimes I forget to finish my stories. I didn't die on the road that day. Uh, the church didn't end. I remember telling my, I called uh, three people. I called, um, first of all, I called Kendall and Jonathan. And um, Kendall Laughlin and Jonathan Lair, and they said, hey, you're in a bad place. Let's come and get you. And they came and got me, and, and, and we went and spent time just out in the country praying and God visited us, and he touched me, and it was one, it, to this day, it was one of my most profound moments of encountering Jesus, and it didn't mean it was all easy from there. I also called my pastor, and I said, I feel so embarrassed because I know that God's called us to, to, to start a church, and it's going to actually be a big church, it's, but how can I lead 500 people or more someday if I can't even lead 50 people? And he said, this isn't the end of your story. He goes, uh, the enemy's scared, and he wants to make you quit before you get started. But he goes, you hold on, and God's going to get you through this. And that's what I want to say to you today, is um, 15 years later, we're still going. 
And uh, that one little that one little church, by God's grace, is sending out numerous churches all over the world. Because it wasn't the end of my story, and this is not the end of your story. Can I have some leaders come forward? We want to pray for you. Uh, we want to be here. If, if you are struggling today, if you're in a place of pain, if you, um, you need someone to just stand with you and remind you this isn't the end of your story, we want to be here to stand with you, lay hands on you, whatever your challenge is today. Lord, we just want to thank you for the testimony of Naomi, the testimony of Boaz, the testimony of Ruth, that it wasn't the end of their story and it's not the end of our story. We, Lord, we just give you praise for seeing, th- this is the dream, what we just saw in Melanie's testimony of, of homelessness and addiction and and this, this month launching an outreach to the homeless, actually going to where the homeless are and, and taking food, taking clothes, but taking most of all a message of Jesus saying, you don't have to be there anymore. Look what God has done for me. And we give you praise for that, Lord. And I'm asking for every person that came in hopeless, every person that came in discouraged, Lord, won't you fill us all with the hope of your calling and the true message of your word that this is not the end of our story. We're just in the middle. And Lord, as Romans 8 says, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us in Jesus' name. You come now as you need prayer. When we pray in the secret place, you've been to listen, you long to hear it. When we pray in the secret place, you love to answer. You love to bless it when we pray in the secret place. You've been listening, you long to hear it, Jesus. When we pray in the secret place, you love to answer. To bless it all when we pray in secret place. You've been listening, you'll learn to hear it all when we pray in the secret place. You love to Forever and 
day. wanted to remind you, uh, women, if you are interested in one of the women's encounter groups, women's discipleship groups, there's a table right outside that you can stop by to, to get more information on that. And uh, also, if you're interested in joining in the homeless outreach that's starting up, you saw the testimony of one of those who's helping to start that up, uh, you can go to that QR code on the back of your chair uh, to sign up to be a part of one of those teams going out. So uh, have a wonderful day, and we'll see you again soon. God bless you. Hey, thank you for joining us today. We believe and hope that God encountered you in a radical way. Hey, thank you for joining us today. We believe and hope that God encountered you in a radical way. And we want you to be able to take a next step as you walk with Jesus right where you are. So hey, go to the chat if you have a prayer request or you wanna ask a question. Our live stream host is there and ready to pray for you and connect with you. There's also many more resources and info on our YouTube channel, on our website, and on social media. So engage in those places as you take a step forward with God, and we can't wait to see you soon at our next gathering. God bless you. Yours is the power, yours is the glory. Yours is the King, yours is the power, yours. Yours is the glory. Yours is the key.